0: been endeavoring, and doing better at it, praise the Lord, God's helping me, and I'm sure there's more I can learn, but I've been endeavoring to get before God more often, and not in not just any meeting, every meeting, and seek the Lord on what He wants me to teach, and uh, our or combination, different things, and if the Holy Ghost needs to talk to me about something specific He wants to do by way of ministry, you know. So I, I want you to turn, first of all, over to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, and just park there a minute, and I've got a couple of things to say, and then I'm going to read a passage, and, and uh, I wanted you to listen to me about a couple of comments here I have to make, and it won't take us long, and, and then we'll get into the Word here tonight. Dr. Lester Summerall traveled full-time nationwide and abroad from the time he was a teenager until well into his mid-80s. A traveling minister asked him, how do you keep the schedule you have? And Dr. Summerall replied, I'm interested in what I'm doing. You know, I feel like that too. I'm interested in what I'm doing. I don't know about everybody else's thinking about it, but I'm interested in what I'm doing for God, what He's told me to do. The measure of a man's ministry will never surpass his measure of consecration. Pastor Nancy said that. And uh, Brother Hagin says, if a minister is spiritually keen, and that would go for sheep too, if you're spiritually keen, or I would say alert, sensitive, you'll find your place in the ministry. And then my friend Pastor Scott Webb made this comment. To be unsatisfied and dissatisfied is two different things can be unsatisfied so that you begin to press forward for more, but to be dissatisfied is to gripe and complain about your call. See. two different things entirely. It's interesting, isn't it? So I just thought that would be a blessing to say that, especially, Dr. I'm interested in what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, a while back, Dr. Dufresne had his... Uh, the head of their uh, FOF, Fresh Old Fellowship, send out these reports. It's a church sur- survey that they do nationwide. And it was interesting, some of the things it said here, uh, alarming in some ways, but it says there's several things here, but I'm just going to mention two. The National Church Survey indicates that approximately, well, I know you're not going to be guilty of this, but I'd like to tell you what it says the survey says. survey says... The National Church Survey indicates that approximately one hour after your members have heard your sermon or your message, they will forget it. The National Church Survey indicates that most people will have to hear your message at least seven times to be able to retain only twenty-five percent of what they heard. Now you think about that—seven times just to have one quarter of what you said. So this, this, this—the this second statement really provoked me. Uh, I didn't read that first, but I was meditating on some things and I added it in because I'm going to talk to you tonight about angels and I'm going to talk to you tonight in particular about uh, what angels do. I'm going to give some introductory comments and, and the reason I'm doing that is because we need to continue to talk about it and continue to talk and minister about it. Hallelujah. Now, you know, Pastor Dennis and Angie, I was just with them for four services on this subject. So they just got done hearing me talk about it. And then I went on to another church in New Mexico. Pastor Dennis went with me there, and I taught uh, two more sessions of some of the things I said at his church and some of the things they, they probably heard me say years ago, too. But we need to keep talking about it because it's relevant and this is the thing. This whole meeting, it seems like the Lord has had me speaking on things about the supernatural. Every every night talked about faith. The first night, that's a, something out of the supernatural—to have faith in God, to use your faith causes the supernatural, the power of God to move in your life, which is supernatural, so beyond the natural. And then then we talked uh, we talked about uh, what we talk about the second night. I don't even know right now. I'm drunk. <laughs> laying on a hands, thank you, I'm, thank you for helping me here, and so we're talking about supernatural transmission and contact of the power of God between two people, one that's anointed and one that needs it, and then last night, what did we talk about? The anointing that delivers, and we talked about that and how there's evil powers, and some people get things in them and on them and around them and different things. You know, we don't want to get hung up on the terminology too deeply because then you miss out on the thrust of the whole message. But the point I'm making is we talk about supernatural powers that try to invade people's thinking and invade their mind or emotions or whatever you want to call it. And they don't get in their spirit. And if you're saved because you're born again, the spirit of God dwells there. But still, yet there's influence and there's other things, strongholds that can occur and how to be delivered from that. And, you know you, you know, you and I and people, you in a church like this, because I've been in authority here for 25 years. We've taught it, you know, off and on for 25 years. I was teaching it forever, do you, about deliverance and angels. But you've heard it over and over, and we've had prayer lines for everything you can imagine. But you go to the average church around in places, and they've never heard anything about it. <laughs> so, demons. Well, that's why we have Psychologists. That's why we have medication, Pastor Jacobs. Didn't you know that? No, I didn't know that. I mean, I'm not against medication if it helps people, but that's not a cure-all. Medication don't get the devil off of you. I don't care what kind of medication. And in some cases, it'll get the devil on you. (laughs) Oh, they wouldn't like me to say that. The pharmaceutical people are probably not going to invite me to speak at their convention in Atlanta. Hallelujah. I'm not against medicine. I'm against foolishness and, and, and not good sound thinking and not certainly not spiritual thinking. This is where I'm coming from. This is the way I live. This is the way I live my life. I'm doing my best to live for Jesus. Hallelujah. But this passage in Timothy brings the fact out of what I've been saying to you about hearing this message again. Though some of you think, well, Pastor, I've heard all this before. If you're thinking that way. And there will be some repeat comments that I'll make. And you may have heard me tell the story of Miriam Cabrera being healed in Honduras 35 times. I'm going to tell you again. I noticed they didn't come interview me on CNN. This is amazing to me how humanity is. Praise the Lord. I, I don't want to get that box out of the, that ball out of the box. I kick it around anyway. Praise the Lord. Here we are in Second Peter chapter one, starting in verse twelve. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yes, I think it necessary as long as I am uh, in this tabernacle to stir you up in my body. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, my body, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Somebody said to me recently, somebody called you the angel man. I said, well, I'm just glad that anybody's even talking about angels. You know, it's a little bit beyond that cute little soap opera touched by an angel. There might have been an element of truth in some of that, you know. But my goodness. Anyway, we're talking tonight about angels. And I'm, I'm, this is clear about five times down through here. He's telling them, I'm going to always put you in remembrance. I'm going to put you in remembrance so much that if I lay before you, you'll never forget I talk to you about angels. Unless you just didn't pay any attention at all. The Holy Ghost is going to say, remember Pastor Jacob's talking to you about this? (laughs) And I want to create in you an attitude where you realize they're real and they're here and they want to help you and they are helping you and they come to church with us. (laughs) Hallelujah. So let's, let's begin over here in Colossians chapter one, verse 16 and, uh, I, I just keep getting more and more revelation the more I teach it I think it was pastor uh, pastor Charles Spurgeon who lived in 1800s in England there in London somewhere and he he was a, he, he was a famous preacher and he said you have to preach something 50 times before you can preach it like it ought to be preached so you know don't get tired of hearing me talk about this and uh It's important because this whole week, we've been trying to emphasize to everybody that there is a supernatural realm, and you and I have authority in it, and we can take authority over the devil, and we can release, we'll see tonight, the angels and so forth. I don't know. I'm going to talk about what they do more than some other things tonight. I was going to talk about divine appearances, my visions I've had, but the Lord changed my direction. I went upstairs to pray. I was ready to go that other direction. He said, no, talk about what they do tonight. So I said, all right, I'm, you're, I'm your servant. You're the boss, so we'll, we'll do what you say. Glad to do it for you. So, uh, you know, you'd think that I, I teach all this all the time, but you know when I go into a church, even four or five sessions, sometimes I don't have time to cover everything. Uh, just that I know. Much less what God knows. He knows more than I do about it takes time to get all that taught into people, all the different aspects. And stuff. I was reading my book my book recently, and I looked at that chapter on angels in order, and I thought, Lord, forgive me, I haven't even taught on that in probably 10 years. He said, well, you don't have time. You deal with just the basics. When you go into a local church, Do just keep doing what you're doing. Let, let them buy your book. Hallelujah. So there's a lot to be said, but we're trying to condense some things tonight. There's about 300 references in your Bible to angels, and approximately 100 of those is when angels appeared to somebody in this planet, another human being, a male or a female, but a human being on this planet. And they came to bring help. They came to do a lot of things. Here in Colossians 1.16, let me read this. For by Him, by Jesus, or we would say by the Word, by Jesus the Word, were all things, in a better translation, might be all beings created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. So he tells us a clue here that there's some invisible beings that are here in the earth that we're normally not going to see with these natural eyes. Now you would either have to have a dream, which is when you go to bed at night and you fall asleep and you have a dream, a God-given dream where he shows you, into the spirit world, something like he did uh, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. Remember, the angel appeared to him in a dream, I think three different times. Told him what to do, told him where to go, etc. Or you could have a vision like Cornelius had in Acts 10, where an angel came and said, I want you to send for this guy named Simon Peter. He's staying down by this guy named Simon that's a tanner. That's his, that's his vocation. He lives in such and such a city, and he lives on the street down by the seaside. Man, the angel gave him all kinds of information, and my point is, though so he had, he's had a vision. One had a dream, one had a vision, or you could operate in what's called discerning of spirits, and I operate that where You could see angels or demons, or sometimes into somebody's spirit or into their inner being. Let me say it that way; that'd be a better way, I think, to say it. You know, like like Jesus said about, was it Nathaniel? I, this is a man in whom is no guile. Some people I'm around, I say, man, that person's clean. Some people I'm around, I maybe wouldn't say what I'm seeing, you know, in some settings. In other settings, I'm in prayer lines, and all of a sudden I see something, I deal with it. I don't always say publicly what I'm seeing because we don't want to embarrass anybody. Anyway, moving right along, but if you did not have a dream or a vision or discerning of spirits, this is my point. You're not going to see them because they don't exist in this world natural realm but they're here now when you say that sounds funny pastor let me ask you do you have more faith in the meteorologist don't tell me that you think david belsa what what is his name Belsky, john belsky is more important than the apostle paul you got your you got your rain gear out for the morning and you haven't felt a drop not even a dark cloud in the sky you got all your rain gear out for the morning because you believed his word and you haven't seen a thing yet no, any of the meteorologists. I'm not picking on John. He just lives around the corner from me. But anyway, there's now notice this. These are unseen but not unreal. See, some people think, well, I can't see it. It doesn't exist. Oh, you, you're, you're over in another world then, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that exist that you don't see yet. There's a lot of dimensions. Scientists have proven that. Isn't that right, Paul? That exists right alongside with this three dimensions that we kind of live in. Height, depth, length, whatever you know, whatever you call it. And we're not interested in all that, but we are interested in these beings that God has created that are invisible to the natural eye that have been we're going to see in Hebrews have been sent to help us. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. I didn't finish the rest of that verse, but it's all right right now. Let's just skip over here to Hebrews 1. I'm trying to get some place here in just a second. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. But the which of the angels, verse 13, said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, he's comparing, the book of Hebrews is a book of comparison between Old Covenant and New Covenant, between the angels and Jesus, between the old high priest and the new high priest, between the blood of an animal and the blood of Jesus, all the way through here. And so the first chapter, he's talking a lot about angels and Jesus weaving in and out of those two types of things. And so he says in verse 13, he didn't say this to an angel. He said this to Jesus, sit on my right hand until I make you. And you can follow the book of Hebrews over and I don't know, maybe 10th chapter it records it again that that's what he said to Jesus but he goes back talking about the angels in verse 14 and says are they referring back to verse 13 the comment the angels are they the angels are they not all ministering spirits i want you to make a note mentally that they're all ministering spirits they have ministries they have purpose they have destiny if you want to call it that they have they have an assignment When I was a kid, I don't know why, you know, when you're a kid, you just think funny. You know, Paul said that. When I was a kid, I thought like a kid. Well, I don't know why I thought they were all up in heaven picking guitars, Brother Mike Barley, and eating grapes. I don't know why I got that image. Probably a card from Valentine's Day or something came to the house or something like that. Or they were little fat-looking preschool babies. They looked feminine, had blonde curly hair, and a bow and arrow with a little, uh, you know, stopper on the end like a queen. You know, let, that, you know, used to lick and shoot it into something where it would stick. How many know? How many guys know what I'm talking? about? We were hunters, sure enough. Or... But see, those are those are ideas that we get because of the pictures we saw and somebody telling us something. And but I'm telling you, if you ever see an angel, a real angel, now I understand Hebrews 13 tells us you don't need to turn over there that they could appear like a man there would be nothing at that moment that distinguishes them from a man, and they could appear like a person. But I'm talking about, and I'll tell a story here, I think I'll tell that right now. I was at Illinois ministering, uh, oh my gosh, 1980 maybe, 19 I don't know, 1978 to 80, around that time, and, and I was teaching in a church, a Baptist church. And uh, I was in the living room with the pastor, with he and his wife. We were having a little bite to eat and fellowshipping after the meeting, it was a Saturday night. All of a sudden, we heard screeching tires, and we heard something come. It like it was going to come through the living room where we were sitting. And it was some kind of vehicle, and we could tell. We could tell from all the noise it had rolled over or something. So we ran outside, me and him. And here was a truck. It was on its top, and there was two people in it, and they were drunk, and they were uh, bleeding. And so uh, immediately we went to rescue them and help them get out of the side window. Now, the truck's upside down. There's beer bottles busted everywhere. They had a case or two with them. You know, they were hired a guy. And all of a sudden, we took. Our, we turned around. You know, we were helping them get out. The wife ran back in and called emergency vehicle. And there was two guys standing here dressed in suits. And this is 10 o'clock at night in a little country town, dressed in suit and tie. And I remember saying, well, who are you guys? And they said, we're ministers. We came to make sure everything was all right. And so we proceeded to help them get out. We didn't pay attention to them. But then after it all, we all settled out and the ambulance came and took them away, we looked at each other and said, did you hear any car pull up? And did you hear we were only 20 feet from the road in a driveway? No. Did you hear a car run? Did you hear a door close? when they, No. I said, you know, I bet they were angels. I bet Grandma was praying somewhere over her drunk grandson, her partying grandson, and God. And they they appeared. They looked just like men. But I thought that was interesting. They they were ministers, and we came to make sure everything was all right. That's all they said. But getting back to my story here, if you ever see an angel in his normal habitat, when he doesn't look like just a man, you're either going to have to have faith or huggies. I'm telling you, these are some bad motor scooters. These are some rough-looking beings. They're masculine. They're tall. They're they're powerful. And you know, you know, you remember in the book of uh, I think it's Matthew. You know, uh, they came and told uh, the the. Mayor of the city, you know they're going to come steal Jesus' body. Sure enough, and then they're going to lose your, you're going to lose your political power and your position in the community. And these Jewish people are going to do it. And don't you know that he called for his meanest, roughest guys to go guard that tomb, make sure you don't let anybody get in there. And they, they were bad motor scooters. These, these, these are trained, uh, you know, valiant men that fought and in, in the Roman army. And they're over there an the angel appears and it says they shook for fear and fainted. Yeah. I, that little fat little preschooler I don't think would have done that. Even with a bow and arrow, I just I can't imagine that would have scared them. <laughs> so we're talking here about these wonderful creatures and here's my point. They're all ministering spirits. They're all ministering spirits. And now it says they're sent forth to minister. I think he's trying to get something over to us that they got assignments. To minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now let me, let me give you a couple of other translations here. First of all, the word to minister means in the Greek there to render service for them. To render service for us who are the heirs of salvation. And the reason it's in the future tense, because this is when God raised Jesus from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. Everybody else would come after that. Is that right? So he put it in the future tense. But doesn't Romans 8 say that we're children of God and join heirs with Jesus Christ? Doesn't Galatians 4 say we're no longer servants, but sons? Yeah, an heir of God. So he's talking to us here, let me read it again, are, not, are they not the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs to salvation? Now here's an interesting thing that he uses the word for, not to, so we could minister to us, the angels, but they could minister for us in addition to them. I read that for years and didn't catch it, one day he said, did you ever notice that word for? And I said, well, I've read it. But I knew he was trying to get something over to me. And I said, well, what, what, what's the big deal? He said, well, if they minister for you, that means they can leave your presence and go minister in your behalf in certain areas. And they could minister to you. But if I just said to you, they couldn't minister for you also. But I said for, which included ministry to you, but also minister for you. You know, I got angels tonight out working in the earth for me to influence people and to help me in different areas where i need help and different things like that won't go too far out there right now but i'm i'm trying to get to the main body of what i want to teach about the weymouth translation in this verse of 14 says that they're a benefit to us which means an advantage do you know you got an advantage you're in christ you have an advantage See, don't take a negative sign on that and say, "Well, you know, the devil's after me." No, you're after you're after the Lord, and the devil's going to have to get out of your way. And you got angels working with you. And what did it say? Remember Second Kings when the the prophet, you know, he's down in Dothan, not Alabama. He's down in Dothan, and and, and uh, the king, I think it was of Syria. I think I got the right country. Anyway, he was trying to, you know go against Israel and, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, surprise attack them everywhere. But every time he was going to do that, Israel disappeared. And and so this is the way natural carnal people think. He got all of his colonels in the room said, I want to know who is telling the enemy what to do. Now who's going to say, it's me, it's me. <laughs> you see how goofy people can, when you're carnal, you don't think right. Yeah, somebody's going, it's me, it's me. And, and the four guys running through with a spear, you one of them smart enough to say, No, it's not any of us, it's that prophet. He knows what you say in your bedchamber. They say, Prophet, huh? Where's this prophet at? I could hear him kind of being smart, Ellie, the king, you know, Syria. Prophet, huh? Where's he live? He lives in Dothan. Go get him. And it says, his, his army, a big host, came by night. It's like the devil. Come by night, surrounded the city. And then the next morning when, when his servant got up, Brother Dale got up with his Evian water and headband and Nike shoes to run around the city. He came back to Pastor Jacobs, the prophet, and said, Boss, they got us surrounded. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> and the prophet, what the prophet say? Fear not, Dale. There's more that be with us than those that be with them. And then he said this outstanding thing. Open his eyes. Well, opening his eyes is what caused him to have the fear. Now, Dale doesn't have fear. I'm just using him as an illustration. But, he's, but he opened his spiritual eyes, and instead of the prophet and his the minister that was with him being surrounded, the, the Lord had the enemy surrounded. <laughs> you Remember that story? And then the prophet went up and says, I can take you to find those people you're looking for. Just follow me. And he smote them with blindness, and so they followed him, and he took them right into Israel's camp, said, Okay, open their eyes. And I don't think they had to fight anybody that day, if you read the story. And I don't think they attacked again in, in Elijah's lifetime, Elisha's lifetime. This one guy whipped the whole army. But the angels were there surrounding him, and this is the comment the prophet made there's more that be with us than those that be with him. You need to remember that. There's more to be with us than those that be with them. I was just a, uh, I was just at an airport in New Mexico. A gentleman there that runs it, and his name's Bob, and we had a little issue with our our lighter. We don't smoke on that plane, but there's a cigarette lighter in the dash. And I bought an instrument, an additional Garmin, which is a. It's a machine that shows the, uh, well, you get satellite weather off of it, you get maps, you get, you know, if you're flying, you can push a button and it throws you ahead in sight where you can, because of the maps off the satellite and things. Anyway, it's a nice piece of equipment and it, it's really come in handy a lot of times. It shows weather, and different things. Well, something was wrong with that and we had him look at it. His name's Bob and he fixed it and didn't charge me. And he said, "What? Well, nothing, Doc. He called me Doc because they introduced me as Dr. Jacobs, you know doc around there so the lord said give him a blessing give him something i had a little money with me not a lot but i gave him about 25 to, and he didn't want to take it i said no let me bless you please you didn't charge me and i i know you say it's not a big thing but it's a big thing to me and i want to reciprocate would that be all right i said okay he said, but i want to tell you a story now, he wasn't even in my meetings. He said, "I was when I was a younger man, the lady asked me to fly something to another state, another city, and I'd never flown her plane before, but she had a plane she owned. And I got in it, and I got in bad weather, and I got vertigo, and I was upside down, and I was going towards the earth. And I was going to stick it up like a dart. And he said, uh, somehow I hit the autopilot switch, and he said, somehow that plane righted itself. And I landed safely. When I got back, I wasn't going to tell her I had vertigo because she'd never let me fly anymore. For he was making money, you know, flying. But he said to her, "You know, your plane flew really good, and and the autopilot worked greatly." And she said, "Autopilot has been broke for five years, Bob, and I haven't gotten it fixed." He said, "Well, it worked perfect for me." And and he said to me, "He said, you know, that's probably God." I said, "Sounds like God and the angels." (laughs) Every time I go somewhere, somebody tells me a story about the angels. I had a guy one time over at Louisville, in Louisville at a meeting. I was preaching, and he, he told me, came up and said, I want to tell you what happened to me. My daughter, just before they had to wear seatbelts, my daughter was five, four or five years old. We was in an older car. We went around a curve and said she slid out. The door opened, and she slid out in midair, and I went to grab her, and I couldn't grab her Pastor. and said we were making the curve. She just stayed in midair, level with the seat, until I got off the curb. Then somebody pushed her in, set her down, and slammed the door. He never saw anybody there, but. (laughs) Are they not all ministering spirits? Sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. Now, this, this, this verse 14 also means to serve those that will inherit salvation. In other translations, to, to care for those that are going to inherit salvation. I, I could tell you story after story, but i got to get on into some things here. Let let's go Let's go over to Daniel chapter 10 and look at something here I want to talk to you about. What do angels do anyway? How do they render service? This is not a complete list, but it will help us get started. They help us in a lot of ways. And maybe you haven't recognized or realized it yet, but they can help you. I remember just recently Dr. Dufresne told about a vision that he had. I think if I remember right, I think he was in Germany. And this was like, you know, uh, maybe maybe in the eighties or somewhere in that time frame. He was born in nineteen forty one. And he said God took him back in time. You know, God can do stuff like that put him in the back seat of a car where his mom and dad were driving. They were in California. That's where he's from. They were driving to, to Tijuana to have an abortion to kill him. She was pregnant. She's 15. He's 16. <clears throat> and he said, thank God that they didn't have abortion clinics on every corner I wouldn't even be here. They had to drive to get there. And he said, God put me in the back seat, little rumble seat of this I don't know, 37 something. I think and said, all of a sudden, an angel came by my dad on that side of the car and smacked him in the head like that. And all of a sudden, and said, I, he said, I know he don't know what happened, but he all of a sudden he looked at his uh, his girlfriend, his wife to be, Doctor DeFreeze's mother, and said, we, uh, I forget her name, but he said, I, we can't do this. We're going to go get married instead of have the abortion. See, this angel interfered with that. He 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 put something in him. See, Pastor Luke told about some things, experiences he had as a young believer when he first got saved and how he, he, God allowed him to see in the spirit world and evil spirits would come and put thoughts in him. Here's the other side of this now. An angel sent from heaven that came up and tapped his dad on the side of the head and all of a sudden his dad whipped around and looked at his wife-to-be and said, we're not going to abort this baby, that's not right. We're going to go get married and have this child. Now, I don't know that he ever knew the angel did that in his whole lifetime. But see, nonetheless, the angel had an influence. He ministered to Dr. Dufresne's dad so that instead of going to the abortion clinic, they went to the chapel. You might be surprised when we get to heaven of all the things that have been done in this planet. And and let me give you a chapter and verse for something here. This is interesting. Verse 18, Daniel 10, 18. You can read the whole passage later, but I want to cover some material tonight. We're starting down into this now. Some things that angels do to render service. Therefore there came unto me again and touched me one like the appearance of a man. didn't say he was a man. he just said at that moment he looked like a man. And he strengthened me. Notice what he did. He touched him. I said he touched him. Do you know that Jesus... Uh, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says an angel appeared from heaven or appeared from the realm of the Spirit, I like to say, and it says he strengthened him. And maybe he touched him, maybe he said something. I don't know for sure. You don't either. But I know this says an angel could touch you and you could have strength. And now if it's coming from that other world... Of the elect angels, then that would be supernatural strength. Wouldn't be natural, it'd be supernatural, wouldn't it? I mean, there's a story in the Bible of a prophet, I forget which one it was, and he he was tired from his journey, and he laid down, and the angel came and woke him up. I was reading it this afternoon, first Kings nineteen, I think, five through seven. I'm not going to turn there. Angel woke him up and said, Get up and eat. And he said there was food there and there was uh, some water there. It wasn't there before, but all of a sudden the angel brought it. And then he fell back because he woke him up again and told him to eat, eat again or something to that effect. And the Bible says he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. There's no GNC store on earth can do that. Or Whole Foods or whatever you, you go shop at. Organic or not, 40 days. Must have been some angel food. But here it says in verse 19, he said, O man greatly beloved, same angel says, Fear not, peace be unto you, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Notice that this angel not just touched him and strengthened him, he did that okay, but then he spoke to him and he received strength. I remember several years ago I was really discouraged and I was ready to just quit. And I was uh, resting in my office, and two angels came in and began to talk to me. I won't go into the all the story, but I was really frustrated. I was confused. I was discouraged. I know none of you can relate, but uh, <laughs> and, and and I had a little conversation. I won't tell about it just to be sure I wasn't hallucinating or something. Now, I wasn't on drugs, but I was just in such a framework of thinking I was concerned that man is this real and i questioned them a little bit then they made sense to him and they said you'll have to speak to us the word of god we've we've been sent from the throne of god to help you well i didn't do anything about it right then and and not just just i don't know how many more minutes later I, i i again i'm still frustrated how many are listening i know you couldn't see me being that way today but i was frustrated And I went out and got in my car, and they got in the car with me. I hadn't been driving for 30 seconds. They said, we told you, you'll have to speak, Michael. You know this. You know what you teach, and you know what's in the Word. You'll have to say something here to fully engage us. So I began to say some things by the Holy Ghost, and they disappeared and were dispatched out of my car, out of my sight over in that unseen realm now. They went back into that realm. And within about 24, 36 hours, they had started moving stuff and changing stuff. And I could tell something had broken, something had changed in the realm of the Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! A lot of other things. Now, so we're, we're looking at things they can do. They can bring strength to you. They can touch you. We're not saying to get weird. We're not saying to get strange about that. And we don't worship angels. We're never told to worship. But we need to realize they are our allies. They are, And Hebrews, Hebrews tells us they're part of our company. And we've come into, the Bible says, an innumerable company of angels. So don't worry, you won't get left out. There's six billion, so many million on the planet now. And God's got plenty of angels for everybody. I've got a lot of them work with me. I'm talking to the Lord about some things about that now. But anyway, I know I've got a lot of them. I've got a personal angel that is assigned to my, but I have angels assigned to my ministry, angels assigned to my healing, anointing, different things that work with me in that realm and so forth. So I don't want to get out to there too deep, but I'm trying to show you there's plenty to go around. You're not alone. You know, I know we watch TV and we see, you know, uh, President Obama or some other head of state from another country, and they got guys with sunglasses and talking into their cufflinks and their lapels, and, and they're, they're talking to each other, you know. And but you know, you got angels watch, watching over you. Holy Ghost, Secret Service. And I'm going to tell you some stories in just a minute in my own life of things that happened. But let's go to another part of this now and thinking about what angels do. Let's go to Judges back here. Now, you know the Old Testament's the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament, but we can still learn some things. Remember me teaching you about that recently? If they had this kind of operation back then, how much more can we expect that plus in the New Covenant? And it says here, you know, you'd have to read the whole passage, chapter 4 and 5, but I'm going to bring it to you in a nutshell here. Deborah was the judge of Israel at that time. It was a time of judges, not kings, but basically she was kind of that in a sense. She was over Israel, and she had a general, and then she had enemies that were coming to fight. And her general said, well, I'll go fight. And she said, yeah, you bet you will. And she said, but I'm not going to go out on the battlefield unless you go with me. (laughs) Thank God for women. And not only thank God for Deborah, thank God for that girl that got you know the other enemy's general got weary in battle and ran into a tent that a lady was in there, and she said, "Here, let me help you." And she she gave him some some bread and butter and some 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 milk to drink, and he's tired. And he said, I, "I need to lay down." I said, "Sure, here, let me help you." And she covered him up, and she she went outside and got her a big tent peg, and came back while his head was laying there and put it right up to his temple with a big old mallet and went whoop. Nailed him to the ground. Killed him smooth dead. Man, that's the kind of lady I want on a mission trip with me. Oh, you guys will get that later. That's very funny, I think. Anyway, so, but you got to understand that there's something going on in this passage that maybe you hadn't seen yet. And it says here, though there was a natural battle going on in the earth on the on the terrain there around Israel, wherever they were fighting, with uh, Deborah and her army against this enemy king. It says in uh, Judges 5 and 20, I'd like you to look at this with me a minute. It's interesting. And you know, the Bible's kind of like uh, panning for gold. I see it on Discovery Channel. They got some people on there. They're always out looking. They got their little... <laughs> You know, I know we're going to dig around and get some gold. But you know people that really strike it rich, they dig down in there. And the Bible's like that. You can kind of skim along the surface and get a little nugget here and there, but you're going to have to dig for some of these things. The thing that's good about tonight, I've done all the hard work. <laughs> you get to eat. Here, here, have a, have a bowl of this. Have, a, have some of that. It says in, uh, in Judges 5 and 20, they fought from heaven. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Now, if you translate that properly, they fought from the realm of the Spirit or from above the earth. Stars represents the angels. Revelation 1.20, it says the stars are the angels. And the word for courses there in the Hebrew is highways. So though there's a physical battle going on on this planet, there's something spiritual going on right above the Earth's atmosphere, and these angels were fighting in different elevations. See, you know, I mean, it's like I told somebody recently. You know, when you don't fly a lot, or you don't, you don't have an airplane, you're not maybe always aware of that. Unless you're a what are those guys that work in the towers called, yeah, air traffic control. They would know this real well. There's all kinds of airplanes up all the time at different elevations, and you're not allowed to violate that. Actually, if I could say to you this way, there's highways in the sky, and you don't just get up in your plane and fly around. Hey, I'd like to do this. They're going to shoot you down if you don't simmer down. Bring that down to eighteen thousand, or we're sending the jet for you, and not to pick you up. Shoot you down because you're in other airspace there. See, it's all regulated. is what I'm trying. But you know, I'm driving around on the planet when I'm not in my airplane. I'm not thinking about that. But when I'm in my airplane and I've got my headset on periodically, I listen to the air traffic, and Gordon is talking to somebody constantly almost, every few minutes. So and so, he calls the town next up and he says, This is so and this is, this is 429er, Juliet Mike. That's my plane tail number. And I'm in the Golden Eagle 421, da 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 da. And I request something, uh, altitude, well, you'll have to hold until I get back to you. You just stay at 6,000 or 12,000 or whatever. And you better do what they say. I'm trying to show you just like that. You're not conscious of that. And I'm not either if I'm not flying. I'm down here doing what I'm... But the angels are fighting and they're taking care of things spiritually that we don't often see. Because it's over in that other realm. (laughs) You know, maybe that girl just wasn't that bad, but that angel said, listen to me. Get you a tent peg. Get that mallet right there. Put it up to his head and hit it. And if you don't like the blood, turn your head. Just make sure you get a good shot on them. Nail. (laughs) Either that or she was Hell's Angel, sure enough. Bad mama motor scooter. Are you listening to me? Listen, there's things going on all the time. If you'll pray and you'll, you'll, you'll release your faith in your prayers. And speak the word, angels are listening and doing and going. Let me show you something else real interesting. Go to Revelation chapter 8. You getting anything out of this? I'm talking to you about a partial list of some things that angels do that we may not be conscious of unless we're taught properly. They want to be... They're not our friends. They don't come to make some kind of friendship with you. They don't come to talk to you and socialize with you. But they are involved with us, and they want to help us. We just read that a minute. They want want to care for us. They want to serve us. And I don't have time to teach everything. I'm just giving some insight into this so we can begin to realize that we're not alone. We're not alone. Praise the Lord, we're not alone. Now here I'm in Revelation chapter 8. Let's pick it up in verse uh, verse 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints. So that would include the saints down here upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire from the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Now get a hold of this. Look at me just a minute. You're down here praying. You're lifting up prayers you're releasing your faith into words of your prayer life and the angels up there in the heavenly altar and those prayers are coming up before god if they're based on the word and he's taking and mixing them with some incense off the stuff and he's getting everything ready and then he throws it back down into the earth and you have different manifestations in the earth one of which is voices now, some of you know this about me. Some of you maybe don't. But I was a drug addict, and you probably know that much. But I was in California in Venice Beach, and I was taking turns. The five or six or seven of us going in that little bathroom shooting up. And it came my turn to go in there, and I went in there. And I tied my arm off and did my thing. And all of a sudden, the, the, the bathtub, which was right in front of me, like right here, it's <laughs> a little bathroom. It just disappeared, and I saw like a mo- motion picture type of thing of my life. And the Lord, at the end of that, he spoke out of that image. And I didn't see him, but he just said, Michael, come home. His voice. And somehow on the inside, I knew it was God. Don't ask me how I knew it. I just knew it. And and within several days, I went home. I was in California. I came back to Ohio. Within six weeks, I got born again. See, my mother and some other prayer people were lifting me up. And those prayers came up before God and the angel working with those prayers and with the Heavenly Father and put incense in it, threw it back into the earth. And the manifestation I got, besides the vision, was a voice. Spoke out of that. I doubt I very seriously I would have came back home if I hadn't had an experience like that. You just got to know me back then. which I'm mean, glad you didn't. But I mean, I just whacked. But here I have this experience because this is what's happening. This is what's happening. I remember I went back out in the other room with those guys I was with, Pastor Debbie, and started preaching. They they, just—they just, they almost wanted to get in the fisticuff with me. And they were fighters. You know, they weren't like mild type meek people. But you sit, up, sit down and shut up. You're bumming us out. Of course, back then I said, you think you're big enough? Jump up and make me. You know, real sweet guy that I was. I said, no, I, I'm tired of living like this. I remember my message, pretty good man. I'm tired of living life, Pastor Keith. I'm tired of it, tired of it, tired of it. Remember that day, Pastor Keith was over there, threw his Bible down, said, "I'm tired of it, tired of it." I was tired of it. I said, "I'm going home." I said, "You know, this is not working." I mean, I'm tired of living like this. I mean, you know, we've had we've had two friends shot to death in the last year. Two other, two or three other friends overdosed or dead. I'm getting tired of bearing everybody. I'm getting tired of feeling and living like this. I'm gonna go home. I don't know why, what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna go home. I'm not gonna live like this rest of my life. And they said, "Man, you got some bad dope." <laughs> that was their that was their response to me. They should have gave me an offering and came back home with me. Some of them went to prison. Some of them aren't on the planet anymore. You know, they just kept on in their rebellion. But God rescued me. See, see, the angel had a part in it. See, see and I had had an angelic visit as a little kid even when I was a cripple boy. And I don't want to go down that trail right now. because just try to stay on course here. Look, go to Acts 27 here. Let's look at some more things angels can do. And, and, and it may happen to you. Maybe some of these things have already happened to you. But let's understand whether you actually see an angel or not is really not the issue. You can receive from an angel whether you see him or not. Hallelujah. It says here in Acts 27, uh, verse 23, that Paul, he's on the ship. You know, he's the prisoner. You know, he appealed to, uh, to Rome or appealed to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. And so they had to take him before Caesar. And he told them, you know, he told the captain or somebody, he said, don't don't sail, man, it's going to be a bad day. (laughs) And they said, well, you're a goofy Christian, you don't know nothing, you're a preacher. What do you know about weather? What do you know about ships? But he knew by the Holy Ghost there was a problem. And the problem was coming. So he's praying, he's down somewhere in the ship praying, and he says in verse 23, there stood by me this night the angel of God. Whose I am and whom I serve. That's a little misleading. I studied this out in the Greek. It literally means I belong to God and I'm serving Him, but the angel he's referring to is the one that appeared to him and came to him. There stood by me this night the angel of God. I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar, and God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Therefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Of course, if you read the rest, the ship got busted up, but they all made it safe to land. So here we've got an angel that comes to give him a word and give him encouragement. You're going to be all right the two angels that came to me in my office said we've been sent to help you in this moment of time I was so distressed I couldn't even respond it seemed like looking back I see I was I was wasn't thinking too clearly but I'm saying that a lot of times angels have intervened for me and for you. Let's look back here at Acts 8 a minute. Let me show you something that's real interesting. I know some people say to me, and I've had this question in the back room, I don't know how many times when I've taught on angels, they say, well, Pastor, you talk so much about angels. What about the Holy Ghost? I say, well, what about the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is God. The Holy Ghost lives in my belly. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of me, and He is God, and if He tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. But the angels are out here. And they speak to me, but they're from out here. They're not in here. They're out here. I know a couple years ago at at this church, I was preaching on angels. might have been 95. could have been another year. I don't remember. But in 1995, I spent 15 Wednesday nights in a row teaching. How many was in some of those meetings? What a meeting we had. Anyway, I I, I remember one night I got done preaching, and, and all of a sudden I had a couple come, and they said to me, Pastor, Pastor, when you were up here preaching, saw an angel standing beside you, and he'd say, "And then you take off preaching, and then you come back, and you'd be here for a few minutes, and then he'd lean over and say, and then you take off again preaching." And I said, "Really?" And so I, I, I thought about what they said. Now that I'm at, on a Wednesday night, I'm after service. I'm not normally in a big hurry to leave or whatever. And so I started towards the back, and all of a sudden, a couple. Uh, Young children got me, that, but nine or ten years old. I don't remember which kids they were. They said, Pastor Jacobs, we want to tell you what we saw tonight. What would you see? Well, we saw some being up here in white. He was standing on this side of you, and he kept talking to you. And when he talked to you, you would respond. You'd get all stirred up start preaching, start moving around. And then I got out in the foyer, and I had an older couple tell me the same. There's three different witnesses that same night. See, the angel was helping me minister and different things like that. Now, i got the Holy Ghost on the inside, but they work in cooperation with the Holy Ghost. We're not downgrading the Holy Ghost. He's God. And the angels are not God. They're not even in our class. <laughs> you and I are in God's class. Now, what I mean is we have the nature of God in us, and we're sons and daughters of God. We're in His family. Hallelujah. Now look at this here in, in Acts 8.26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Notice it did not say the angel appeared to him. It says the angel said to him. I wanted you to make a note of that in your thinking. The angel said something to him. And then he says he went down to that way wherever the angel told him. And he went, verse 27 and it tells a little bit about who he is in verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join yourself to this chariot. And and, and he began to minister to this man who was the treasurer for the uh, uh, Kandace, uh queen of Ethiopia. And he got saved and got water baptized and so forth. And, of course, then he was uh, translated, uh, Philip was translated, rather, to another city by the Spirit of God. And that's something to be preaching here in the next few years. And all of a sudden, I'm gone. Somebody else is standing here talking to. <laughs> you know, like somebody from South America or something. Yeah, praise the Lord. Translated. But anyway, we see, this is what I want to point out. Philip was already spirit-filled, tongue-talker, and yet it says the angel said something when he responded to the angel, then the Holy Spirit said something. So we're not in competition. And if anybody tells you to do anything, including what you think is the Holy Ghost, and you know it's not scriptural, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it <laughs> all right you know angels can do a lot of times thinking i'm going to tell a few stories here we uh we were uh, it, it's been a few years ago now i think about 12 years if i remember right this young lady she's still here with me but i think she's probably 32 now or maybe 14 years ago she's about 18 and uh you know, I said, so-and-so, come up here a minute. And, I, and, and I, I laid hands on her here at the altar. This was in the, you know before the building was extended. And then and I started down through here ministering to some other people. And the Lord said, turn around. I turned around. I was probably 12, 15 feet away from her. And I saw this angel standing right directly in front of her, and he's pulling something out of her belly. Like right in here. I oh, thought, wow. I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't respond to him. I didn't act alarmed. I just went on and prayed for the rest of them and got turned back this way. He was gone. I got home. I was having a sandwich at home. My wife, my daughter, I think, uh, well, she was sitting there. But anyway, my wife, will remember, but we. I was sitting there eating, and I said, you know, tonight when I ministered to so-and-so, I saw an angel standing in front of her, and it looked like he was pulling something out of her stomach. I don't know what that something was. It didn't look good. It didn't look good pulling something out of her stomach. And my daughter started crying. She said, well, Dad, uh, she's struggling with bulimia and anorexia. Isn't that interesting? So I called her up immediately. I I, I put my sandwich down, got on the phone. I said, so-and-so, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you what I saw tonight at the altar. And she burst into tears. And you know she's normal today? See, something was driving her that she had to think in her mind, i got to be a certain size. And she was, I don't know what all, doing pills putting something down her throat to gag herself to throw up. Weirdness that girls get into. Guys get into other weirdness. You know, without God, we're all weird, aren't we? That's why we need a Savior. <laughs> That's why we need a Redeemer. <laughs> That's why we need a Deliverer. <laughs> but I talked to her not too long ago, and she told me she'd been totally normal since that time. Angel, help. I was down in Honduras. I'm going to tell you about Miriam Cabrera. How many have heard this story before? Good. There's three or four that haven't. Let's tell you guys. So I'm down there in Honduras ministering. I had a word of knowledge about spines. People came lined up. I knew this lady pretty well in the sense that her and her husband like me and like my group and they were committed to the church there that I was that the church pastor was connected to me then. And they her and her husband owned a restaurant in the city in Honduras, and they and they always had us over to their home. They had a nice home. Uh, they had us over to their home at least one day for lunch while we were in the city, you know, on the mission trip. So I got to her in the line, and the Lord said to me, "Hit her kind of hard." I thought, well, you know, I, I'm not in the habit of hitting girls hard. And one other time, the Lord told me to hit a lady in the belly. Well, two other times. One time I hit a lady in the stomach. She had a tumor, and it disappeared. Another time, I hit a lady in the stomach. Now, nobody's going to want to get in the line tonight. I, <laughs> I'll get back to Miriam in a minute, but let me tell you about this other lady. I was over at uh, Pastor what's his name? Patterson, Arthur Patterson's church. Thank you. And we you know, we used to go over there, and I'd preach for him at his church. We'd take our church. Then he'd come here and preach. He'd bring his church. And, oh, man. Anyway, they just had, it was just wonderful. We had a good time during those times. And I was at his church preaching, and I had a word about, I think it was depression, and a lady came that was from my church. Other people may have came too. But when I got to her, the Lord said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. (laughs) So I did not what the Lord said. I laid hands on her head and I prayed a really good pastoral Lord bless this lady, helper, healer. You know, it was really good prayer. I was proud of myself. Except when she turned to walk away, the Lord rebuked me and he said in kind of a harsh tone, are you going to obey me or not? Like that. I said, yes, sir, I will. And he said, well, then get to it. And I called her by name and said, could you please come back up here? Well, she came back up not knowing what I was going to do. I said, How about lifting your hands up? <laughs> so she lifted her hands up and fortunately I thought she closed her eyes. At least I got a free shot, at least one. <laughs> I'm being funny, but it's a true story. And I worried back I really let her have it. And when I did this evil spirit came out of her chest and flew away. How many were in that meeting? You remember that? And she testified to that later in our, in our church here about that happening. And I said to her later, and of course she fell out, I, I'm pretty sure, but I thought, man, you know, I really hit her heart. Said, I said, did you feel me hit you? And she said, I just felt the power of God come on me. See, sometimes it's just important to obey God. Well, I, again, back to Mary, we left her standing in Honduras. And I, I just went like that kind of hard on the top of her head like that. And then I just went on. She was just standing there. She was standing before I hit her, standing after I hit her. And I I wouldn't trying to knock her down. I'm just trying to obey God. And I don't know why he does that sometimes. I just know when he tells you to do something like that, you better do it. If you want to get the results that need to come forth. Yeah. So the next day was already scheduled to have lunch at their house. And so we arrived and Miriam was the guest, I mean, the host and her husband's the chef. So he's in the kitchen. She's in this other room with us. I don't know if anybody here tonight was in that at that dinner table. But anyway, she told me, you know, Pastor Jacobs, you sit here, and I'm going to sit here, and I want to talk to you about what happened last night. And then she told others where to sit, and said, so-and-so, my husband will be in cooking in a minute, but he'll be in. I want to tell you what I'd like to know. And they, uh, she said, well, they told me you hit me kind of hard. I said, uh, yeah, I did. Did you feel it? No, I didn't, but I felt an electric shock right in here. And it started down my spine. And I said, well, what, what, were, what was the matter with your spine? She said, I fell as a little girl, and way down by my tailbone, I cracked some bones there. And I was six years old, and it's bothered me ever since. So I stopped her again. I said, now tell me. Uh, I wouldn't normally ask you this, but how old are you? I think I know you well enough I could ask you. She said, I'm 41. And I said, this happened when you are six? He said, yeah. I said, so 35 years ago? Yes, sir. Would you say your pain's been uh, uh, minimum, moderate, or severe? She said severe. Do you think your pain's been intermittent or consistently like this? Consistently, she said. So you're telling me you had severe pain for 35 years in your tailbone? Yes, sir. Okay, finish your story. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm dealing with here and what happened. She said, I felt this power come right in here and went down to way down here. When it got down there, I felt a hand beneath and a hand above, and it went like that and jerked that bone straight and said, all the pain left me. And I went back for two more years in a row. How many have heard this before? Isn't it fun to hear it? I went back for two more years in a row and said, do you had any more pain? Not a bit. Any more symptoms? Not a one. See, we're talking about angels working with us and helping us. See, we need to realize that. It's important to understand that. You getting anything? Let's look here at the, the book of Psalms, chapter 35. I've just got a few more uh, passages here and try to get you out in a few more minutes. But th- these are important things to understand about the angels that want to work with us and help us. If you were here a few years ago, we had a man in our church. His name, first name, was Larry. He he was a big bodybuilder type of guy. He's really big and muscular and strong. And he he left the church. And I mean, I don't know why he left. You know, people do different things. But he got he started driving a tractor trailer truck. And he got down somewhere in the south in a parking lot. And it was one of those trucks where they put cars on top of it. And he was up over the cab. He said he was 12 or 15 feet off the ground when this occurred. He went to get in this car and he stepped back to pull the door open on the car and missed his footing and went straight down, both of his feet onto the pavement or gravel or whatever that was uh, there and broke both ankle bones and most of the bones in his feet. And he he had two years of surgeries and pins and screws and rods and had to wear a big tag that says, you know, I got a lot of metal in me, so when you go through all the things, it dings the thing, you know, like at the airports and the schools or wherever you go where they got that. And uh, my, I was out of the country, I think, and my wife was having dinner with her mother in a restaurant, and here he came, walking like this. It's like a little kid. And he told her, he said, I've been in therapy for two years uh, Pastor Diana, my feet's all busted up. I'm taking super high intense medication. I'm almost really a legal drug addict now. And he said, I still have so much pain I can't hardly walk. And she said, well, Larry, you know, you know, Michael, Pastor Michael's got anointing for bones. Just come let him minister to you. And he walked away, you know, like I'm showing you. Like And so he showed up been here, I don't know, a couple months is my guess. I don't remember the exact time. And one day, sitting back about where Melvin's at, I said, Larry, come up here, God's gonna heal you. And say God's gonna try to hear. I said, God's gonna heal you. He got up here and I laid hands on him, he fell out, and then I said, the angel working with me is gonna finish this. And and those on the front could see it. Somebody lifted up his leg and twisted his ankle over like that, like they do at a rehab thing. Laid it down, picked up the other one, did that Laid it, And when he got up, he walked back to his seat like this. How many remember that? A lot of hands here. Hey. See, we're talking about angels want to help us. There's angels working with me in the healing ministry. That's what I'm talking about, see. I didn't ask for him to do that. God put them in my life, put them around me to help with other people. And I'm just sharing that with you to encourage you. There's a lot more to come that God's going to do to do and that you're not alone i'm not saying you're going to have a healing ministry and but i don't know i'm just saying that the angels are here to assist us and help us and protect us i want to talk about that just a minute before we uh, close the service because this is important that you know you have divine protection you know i had two missionaries uh, well, uh, Brother Jared, I don't know, I guess you were home when one of them came, gunman came to your house. Brother Jared sitting on the back here. Uh, his dad, and mom, I prayed over the missionary, still do, you know, daily that they're delivered from every evil work, just like I pray over you that are at this church. And gunman came to his home and could have shot him, his whole family. and uh, But it, long story short, they didn't. And they left eventually. And here's Jared and all of his brothers and mom and dad they all alive and well the angels are protecting you listen you start believing for that with you with me and then another couple we had in honduras at the time three gunmen came broke into their house tied up the lady and uh it didn't look good and then her husband came home and i think the other two kids were with him and the gunman confronted him at the front doors, an altercation there, and a fight. And all, I mean, the guy's got a weapon, and I mean, I don't know, I think maybe shots went off, but he missed uh, Pastor Gary. But, I mean, it was dramatic. And anyway, they ended up leaving without ever doing anything to violate the lady or anything else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I How many know that's a lot better than having a funeral? And so we're talking here about Psalm 35. I want to read this to you starting in verse 4. Well, there's a whole lot here in this first five or six, seven verses, but let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. You know, I had a neighbor. Where I lived in Otisco, and he didn't like me. He sold the church their property. Brother Willie knows who I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, or I think you do. Anyway, I used to live there, whatever. And just a mean individual. And my dog, who normally was pretty nice to people, I mean, you know, uh, but she didn't like him either. And she'd sit on the porch by me. If I was sitting on the porch, he'd walk by the street, and, he, and she'd go. And he and he stopped one day, and he said, I just want you to know if your dog ever comes at me, I'm killing it on the spot. That was my first introduction to neighborhoods. All right. And so uh, then, you know, uh, my, my. Uh, let me read on. Verse 5, Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Well, you don't want that. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. See, if you'll live right and do right, though men and women sometimes will do things that try to bring certain things into your life the Lord says here he's going to defend you. Now my wife and I back in those days we were really poor and you I know this is funny it's a true story though we I put out a trap line every night for mice. If I'd have been a good sower I guess I could have made my wife a little (laughs) coat. I don't know how many mice we caught when I lived it. It's pretty pathetic house that got condemned a little bit after I left there. Brother Willie, would, he was in my youth group back then, Willie Bussy He can validate what I'm saying. But anyway, my mother-in-law felt sorry for us after a long time. So we had to go up to Charlestown and use a laundromat. And so she bought us a washer and dryer, and we had to put in our kitchens on a place for it and had it hooked up and everything. And so one day it started backing up in our kitchen. So I didn't know what to do. I'm not a plumber. I did work a, a little bit on things, but I didn't know how to fix that, and I didn't know what the real issues were. So I called Roto-Rooter guy, the Roto-Rooter guy, yeah. And he came, and he's got his thing, you know, he goes down. <laughs> bless his heart. And he gets out there, and he comes back to the front door. And he says, Pastor Jacobs, your neighbor lady just cussed me out. And he acted really disturbed about it. And he said, Furthermore, they plugged up your drainage pipe to your washer and dryer. That's the problem. They stuck dirt, and mud, and rocks in it, so it went back up in your kitchen. Well, now I come out of the house and I walk around to the side where, where she's still standing there next to the fence, where this, you know, where she did all that. Her and her husband. Her husband's on the porch, and he's right in direct line, sees me. He's about fifty feet away, and he's sitting on the porch, sitting down. I notice out of his back pocket, he's got a big pistol. I'm not talking a 22, gentlemen, or a 32. I'm talking a pistol, big pistol. And I can see the butt of it hanging out of his, you know, pocket here. I mean, it's a weapon, big pistol. And he starts running at me, and he calls me everything but preacher. <laughs> I mean. I mean, you know, as far as cussings go, he gave me a five-star cousin. I said And he runs up to me, and he draws his fist back, and he get, he's about this far from me, literally. And now my wife's out there. She's got Jessica. She's one-year-old. My dog is sitting there, sitting. And this is amazing looking back. I'm sure the angel had a hold of my dog because that was my dog. And somebody tried to get in my car one time. I wasn't there, and she ripped the whole top of the headliner out. Take care of business, you know. She's a pretty strong dog, but anyway. And he pulls his fist back and gets right in my face, and his face is all red. I'll never forget a big vein right there sticking out, the pulsating. He goes, I'll break your nose. And I mean, for about five seconds or so, I, I, did, I think shock came over me, and fear got on. I mean, I, I'm, there now, I'm looking around like in a moment of time. The rotor rooter guy, he's going, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's smoking. He's going, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> my wife's got my baby, and there's the dog. And, I mean, I'm, I'm assessing everything. You know, when you're in panic mode, you start to say, and I thought to myself, I'm going to take that gun away from him and whip him real bad and repent later. That was my first reaction internally. Because I'd been a drug addict, and I, I just knew this guy meant business. He wasn't playing with me. He was like, and, and I didn't realize till I got away from it. I believe the angel had his hand, because he never did swing at me. He threatened me, but he never. And, and, all, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do for a few minutes, other than what I just told you. Really, probably was only 20 seconds, but it seemed like an eternity there. Because I mean, in my mind, I could just see him pulling out that weapon and killing all of us, and not even thinking anything about it. You know, some people. And then all of a sudden, from down into here, I was so glad the Lord said, Michael, <laughs> the angels are with you today. He's not going to hurt you or anybody else. Oh, praise God. He probably thought, oh, that's nuts. I went, oh, praise God. <laughs> He's still standing there like this. I'm going to break your nose. You know? And I go, oh. That relief I had, man. I think I might need the huggies that day, almost. But I stayed made a step back like that, and I went like this, and I said, "Uh, "You're not going to hurt anybody today." And I said, "I just want you to know, you're a poor excuse for a human being." Because, see, I had never done anything to cause this man to react this way. I tried to be a friend. I mean, you know what I mean. I never got mad at him. I tried. to I understood his attitude about my dog. Even I didn't like it, but I understood how he felt. You know. And you know that man got cancer on his nose. His wife left him, and he lost his property eventually. See, you know, here's what happened: they get confounded and put to shame that seek after your soul. I never did anything to cause. And if he'd have came and asked me. Well, move your drainage line or whatever it was that he thought he needed me to do. All he had to do was call me or come over and knock on my door. Or see me when I come out of my house every day to go to the church and say, Hey, uh, you know, Michael or whatever he wanted to call me. And, and say, Hey, listen, and I would have been glad. But instead, he'd cause me problems. i listening. So you've got angels watching over you. You may not see them. You may not realize it. But they're helping you. And they're there to help you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I think I'm going to stop for tonight. We've talked a long time here. Praise God. I said praise God. I want to pray for anybody tonight. If you have anybody here, you have any kind of breathing problems, asthma or any kind of lung problems, stand up with me, please. If that's you, would you please come to the front. you have any kind of breathing problems.